there sooner or later, but John 14.2. John 14.2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John 14.2. We'll start there. We have a couple points there in John 14.2, and then we'll be back to it and we, as we conclude. I will try to go through it quickly. I don't know how long I'll be at it, but uh, the Lord told me this is the message I'm to preach, and tonight we'll be looking at uh, the crucified resurrected life in contrast to the crucified life uh dear lord help us now to gather our thoughts together and to hear from your word and help me to express it to my ability to bring glory and honor to your son in Jesus' name i pray amen john chapter 14 verse 2 and it came to pass and went into the house of the chief pharisees to eat bread on the sabbath day and they watched him and behold there was a certain man before him at that's Luke. <laughs> yes. I'm going, where are we going with this? John 14, 2. I like the book of John. It's my favorite. It really is. Let not your heart be troubled. There we are. And that's where I was just a few minutes ago through that song. Let me, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Words spoken by Jesus Christ. And here's those words. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also." The first point I want to make, I've got seven points of what heaven is going to be like. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place. Point one, it is a place that God in his provision has allowed for us to obtain, and it's Jesus Christ in his provision. He's making it, and the Holy Spirit helps us and guides us there. John was told to measure what he saw in Revelations chapter 21, and that Revelations 21 gives you the dimensions of the heavenly city we see about. We could go over there in Revelations and see the dimensions of a real place. It's there. And you know what? It's above our heads. If we see a glimpse of it, it's a UFO is what we would call it. Heaven is a real place that is far better than we are now. Philippians 1.23. Let's go over to Philippians just quickly. Philippians 1.23. I often say that if we knew how nice heaven would be, we'd be jumping off our rooftops to get there, literally. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I got to get there myself. Philippians Chapter 1, verse 23, heaven is a real place. Chapter 1, 23, for I am, for I am in the straits. Yep, it's far better than where we're at now. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet I will choose what I want, for I am in the strait between having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. It's going to be far better wherever Jesus is than where we are. He's in control of things. He built this planet. He built this universe. And it's going to be far better than where we are now. 
I don't pretend to know all the things that take place there. I can't tell you if your dog named Rex will be there or not. In my opinion, through Scripture, I don't think he'll make it, but God is sovereign. He could have him there as well as... what's Gloria, what's your dog's name? What's your... Huh? Honey? Heine? <laughs> oh, I, I thought I, call, I heard you call it Heine once. No, honey... Your dog, I can't tell you if Honey will be there or not. <laughs> but if God wants her there, she'll be there. It'll be better for us. Heaven is a roomy place, John 14, 2. It's a roomy place. The city is big, and it's the whole new earth. If we get to thinking about it, we'll have a new heaven and a new earth. We'll have a place that Jesus Christ said in John 14, I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So heaven not only is real, it is roomy. It is big. Jesus Christ is building it as we speak. We have two intercessors, and you've heard me give you this uh, illustration before. We have two intercessors on this earth. It's Jesus Christ. He intercedes for us in heaven. And the Holy Spirit who intercedes from, from earth to heaven for us on our behalf. The scripture verses, I could point, point them out to you. We have two intercessors. And I dreamed one day that I died, went to heaven. And they says, well, you made it. Here's the pump tent. And I go, how come I got a pump tent? Well, Jesus Christ is busy preparing a place for us in John chapter 14. We just read it. He's preparing a place for us, and he intercedes for us on our behalf. That's two things he's doing for us. The third thing he already accomplished for us, and that's given us an entryway to heaven. He made it allowable for us to get there. He gave us a path to heaven. He gave us a promise of heaven. He gave us a perpetual place in heaven. All we have to do is claim it and try to obtain it instead of trying just to earn it. And so... I get there, and I got a pup tent, and I says, how come I got a pup tent? I thought Jesus was making a mansion. And the individual, the angel, says, well, he's, he's been really busy with you lately. He's, he's had to intercede on your behalf, and he hasn't had time to really build you much. <laughs> so uh, hopefully he's not that way with each one of us, that he's got a place for you there that's a little better than a pup tent. But that pup tent will be better than the one I know that somebody lives in in Nockety. Uh, there. So God has prepared a place for us, and it's roomy, and it's real. Heaven is a place of rejoicing, Luke chapter 15. Now we're over to Luke chapter 15, verse 10. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. We have heaven is real, heaven is roomy, and heaven is a place of rejoicing. 15.10, likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angel, angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. We're not all going to be up there playing harps. When I was a little kid, when I was a little kid in music class, I have tone deafness, and it probably just showed up now because I don't know the difference between honey and hiney. But, uh, but, uh, they were having me. I was struggling in music. And I was in a private school. It was a, a loose, loose, use the term loosely school, uh, Christian school. It was a, the nun looked at me and says, 
you can't sing. What are you going to do in heaven when uh, everybody's playing their harps and singing on those clouds? And I go, man, if that's what it's like, I don't, if it's like this music class, I don't want to be there. You know? So it's not like that. We're going to have a place of rejoicing there. Heaven's a wonderful place. I believe in heaven because of the new heaven and the new earth. If you're into stock cars, which I'm not, you'll be able to go race a stock car. If you're into horses, which I am, you'll be able to have horses. You'll be able to, and of course I could give you lots of scripture for horses in heaven, but God has heaven as a place of rejoicing. The angels will rejoice as we gain entrance to it. So what do you think they're going to be like once we get there? They're happy to hear of you. They're not, we're not like relatives in heaven where you're happy to see them come and you're happy to see them go. When you get to heaven, you'll, they'll be happy to have you. You'll be experiencing joy and comfort and all kinds of goodness. There is joy in heaven. And if you like to play the harp, I'm sure they'll have some there for you. Heaven is a place of rejoicing. In Revelation chapter 19, we see the marriage feast of the Lamb, and it's one of the two feasts we read of in Revelations. One's the feast of birds, and one's the feast of the marriage, where the local church, where the church, where the unified believers come, where all believers come before and with in the presence of the Lord. And it says in Revelations chapters 21 and 22, there is no sea there. Wow. Well, that might be a good thing if your husband's out fishing this morning and you're here alone. It might be a good thing. <laughs> but it says there'll be no sea there. It says there'll be no sorrow there in 21.4. It says there'll be no pain there in 21.4 again. It says there'll be no curse in heaven in Revelations 22, verse 3. And by that curse, what a wonderful thing we can have. If you read commentaries on aspects of heaven, oh, there's no curse there. That means there'll be uh, no thorns on the roses. And that's true. But if you read about the curse back in Genesis chapter 3, you'll see there's a whole lot more things there won't be there. There won't be any family strife in heaven. There won't be any family differences in heaven. You can read about that in Revelations uh, family problems in verses 14 and 15 of chapter 3, where Adam and Eve get cursed because of the problems. There'll be problems with childbearing and such. There'll be none of that in heaven. There won't be any children born. That might be a relief to that problem. But there'll be no children problems in heaven. There will be children in heaven, though. But there won't be any problems. You won't have to worry about little Johnny sticking his finger in a light socket. You won't have to worry about somebody running off with your children. A husband and wives will have no strife in heaven. All those little petty bickerings and such that uh, you come up with and feel remorseful for and cause division aren't going to be in heaven, although your spouse will be. Roses will not have thorns in heaven. No more sweat in heaven. Think about that. We sweat for health. We sweat in that four-letter word called work. There will be no discomfort in heaven, no dust in heaven. Dust gets onto everything. Uh, here we got mold. In Oklahoma, we had dust. One or the other, there's always something that mars the perfection. 
And uh, there'll be no curse on this earth. It'll be a new heaven and a new earth. There'll be no death in heaven. 20, Revelations 21.4. And in Revelations 22.5, we'll have no need for night in heaven. There'll be no night there. I say because sometimes I like the cool of the evening and I like to be done for the day and night kind of indi in indicates that. But we won't have those kind of pressures and those kind of trials in heaven. It'll be a place of wonderful bliss <laughs> to a degree. Heaven is a place of reuniting. John 14, 3 again. Go, I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus says. And let me read it again, 14, 3. Jesus will be there to meet us. He says in John 14, 3, If I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. There will be a place of reuniting in heaven. Christ says, I will come again. Our loved ones in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 will be happy to see, see us there in heaven. That's a hope to grasp onto in some regards. Each one of us will be made perfect in heaven. And uh, can you imagine what it would be like with no sin in this world? Just no sin? Heaven's not going to have sin in it. Think how much better each one of us would be as persons, individuals, without sin in our lives. Think how nice it would be if you never burnt toast again, if, if you never skipped church to go fishing again. Just think how wonderful heaven would be. Our loved ones in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14 will be there in reuniting with us in heaven. So we have so far heaven's a real place, heaven's a roomy place, Heaven's a place of rejoicing, and heaven's a place of reuniting. Heaven is a place of rest, place of resting. All work will be done. Revelations 14, 13. I don't know for sure where I'm at, but let me double check that one. As you see, I've bounced around a little bit. Let's, let me see what Revelations 14, 13 says. I always think Revelations 14, 13 says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. Heaven's a place of rest. And their works do follow them. We will be rewarded in heaven. We'll see that's the next point. But we'll have a place of rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, 22 says, Come unto me, Jesus Christ said these words, Come unto me that labor, and I will give you rest. That leads me to one of the points that I learned. Before I was even saved, I went to a Bible camp. And in, it was in uh, Alexander, Minnesota, a little Bible camp there. The water is very heavily laden with phosphorus in Alexander, Minnesota. They have a lot of problems with purifying it. The Bible camp had its own well and had its own purification process, which did not do visitors much justice. Uh, phosphorus gives you the diarrhea. I went to Bible camp for a week and was warned not to drink the water. And so here I am. I'm not saved. I don't know Christ as my personal Savior. I do believe in Jesus Christ. Because as I alluded to a little earlier, I was raised Catholic, went to a Catholic school for a number of years. 
So I was taught morality, and I knew Jesus Christ was the Son of God. I just didn't have it all put together what he did on this earth and why. I thought he was a perfect example, and in reality, he was a perfect example, but he wasn't the standard. He says, I came not to condemn the world, but that the world through me might have eternal life, John 3, 17, roughly. And he's, I didn't realize that. Well, here I'm at Bible camp, and these people are a bunch of religious nuts. They just believed everything that Bible said. They, we had... Sure, we played basketball and volleyball and all those neat things, but, man, they had church like three, four times a day. I mean, that was just more than anybody needed, I thought. And, you know, so I'm sitting there in one of the church services getting bored, and the phosphorus in the water took effect. And I sat there as long as I could. I must have turned 23 different colors. Finally, I got up and ran for the... uh, bathrooms. I had heard enough Bible. I really needed some relief. I needed some rest. And I ran into there and I threw open that door, you know, that little door, and I sat down. And as the door fell shut, there was a Bible verse scrawled across the front of the door. And it says, come on to me all that it labor and I will give you rest. And I says, oh, dear Lord, these people are real fanatics. They believe the Bible goes with you everywhere. And you know, it's one of the reasons I got saved later. <laughs> was it, it, God had to make his word real to me. <laughs> He'll make his word real to you. Hopefully it'll be a little milder than what I experienced. <laughs> but God is there, and heaven's a place to rest. Lester Roloff, a friend of I would like to say he was a friend of mine. He was more like a godfather to me in that sense. Every time he spoke, I thought I heard my grandpa speak. He, he talked about the rest we'll have in eternity. He says, now is the time to work. We'll be able to rest in heaven. You'll appreciate rest a lot more if you work. I talk to people that live lives in glass castles and on feathered beds, and they long for rest. We'll have rest. You're going to work and you'll know rest. What we endure here on this planet for the short time, the sacrifices we make, the 90 years we hope to live here, the 80 years we hope to live here, the 70 years we're told we can live here, are a short space in eternity. And we need to focus on that length of space where we'll have rest. God promises us rest. He understands work. He knows about sweat. He knows about sacrifice. And he promises us rest in heaven. Galatians 6, 9, we'll be rewarded in heaven. I'll go to Galatians 6, 9, and 2 Corinthians 5, 10 talks about it. I would really rather probably go to uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15. We'll receive uh, judgment in heaven. We'll receive reward in heaven. I had the privilege, and you've heard me allude to it several times. I was a judge, a livestock judge, judged some of the shows with purses bigger than I earned it a year. And uh, I've seen people labor and work for those purses. And I had to be responsible to judge. Now, the horse that came in last was probably better than anyone in my stable. 
and I'd have to tell that person why I didn't pick that one over the first one. Do you know what I come up with? It was the fact that I just liked the first one a little better than yours. That's about it. Uh, I, there, when we get to heaven, it's going to be a judgment of reward. And we can read about, well, I told you Galatians. We'll hit Galatians, then we'll go down to 1 Corinthians. Galatians 6, 9 is where we get the verse for that. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, and we shall not, and we shall faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith, encouraging us that now is the time to work, and eventually we'll have the rewards in heaven. I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians. I lied and told you we go to 1 Corinthians, but they're close enough. We'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must appear before, for all must, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And there's a verse in Hebrew that I like. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. There's not going to be a second chance. When you die, it's done. You're going to be judged after that. There's not going to be any reincarnation. There's not going to be any second chance. You're going to die, and you're going to go to heaven or to hell. One of the two. You're going to have that judgment. And in 1 Corinthians, go to chapter 3, we'll see that that judgment's exercised upon all. It's appointed unto man, mankind, man, once to die, and after this, the judgment. Oh, I thought when I accepted Christ as my personal Savior, I no longer had to be judged. Well, you, you've got to be rewarded, and that's what it's about. You're going to be judged, though. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 through 15 talks about the believer's judgments. For, no, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. What's he talking about? Those who have accepted Christ as their personal Savior. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. The word work shows up here about five times. And the day shall declare it, because it shall be, but because it shall be re revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built upon, therefore shall receive a reward. There it is. Your, your work is established. Have you contributed anything to God's work in your lifetime? Have you contributed anything to God's work in your lifetime? Now, you don't have to to get to heaven. You just have to accept Christ and be obedient to the scripture. Well, you're going to fall short if you haven't, but you're going to be judged. You're going to be rewarded accordingly. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. There's that work, and that's one, two, three, four. I think it shows up here five times, about five times. Work, one, two, three, four. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But, this is the biggest but in your Bible, he himself shall be saved. So don't tell me I'm saved and I'm going to be spared any kind of judgment. 
I'm still going to be judged to a degree, if nothing else, to see whether I get out of that pup tent or and into a glass house, yet so as by fire. So, there's going to be reward in heaven. It's going to be a righteous judgment, it's going to be a perfect judgment, and it's going to be a fair judgment. One of the reasons Jesus Christ became man and dwelt on this earth was so that he would preside in those hearings on our behalf, intercession, and he would know the proper judgment. We can't say to God, you made me this way, and therefore I am this way. He says, yeah, I know all about how it is to be your way. Jesus Christ came and lived it himself. Oh, you don't understand. I come from a broken home. Oh, Jesus Christ had a foster father. Don't even know if he lived until Jesus left the, left the, uh, his uh, home himself. The way tradition tells us is his father died well before Jesus Christ uh, went into his ministry. There before we got the story of him making water into fermented grape juice or not fermented grape juice, water into grape juice. Heaven is a place of judgment. God will judge us yet. But we will have a reward. It'll be judged for rewards. You'll be there. It's going to be a place of rest. It's going to be a place of renewing. It's going to be a place of uh, rejoicing. It's going to be a place that's real. It's going to be a number of different places. John chapter 14. Let's go back there and see what the last one is. John chapter 14, verse 2. Back to where we started. The seventh point, John 14, 2. What will you think heaven's going to be? What more can we suck out of that verse? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have... I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. It's a place that's reserved for each one of us. Heaven is a place. When I get there, and if I get into the big hotel, it's going to be room 205 or 207, and there's my, and I'll have my little, my little uh, three, John 316 card, and it'll go right in that door slot, and I'll walk in there. There's a place reserved for me. So maybe, and if, and otherwise there's going to be a tent with my name on it, you know. Here, Pastor Roy, a uh, place for you. But Jesus Christ has reserved a place for you. Now, if I null that reservation, if I fail to show up for that reservation, whose fault is it? It's my own. Let's all stand. Each one of us, 